Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If the Bucks moved on from Jameis Winston at quarterback, who would replace him? And did Dirk Cutter stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick too long? Why haven't the Bucks locked up receiver Adam Humphreys? And how impressive were the Florida Gators this football season? We've got all that and more on this popular mailbag segment of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, guys, before we get started, are you ready for a magical day on the river with manatees? That's right, manatees. If so, seven days a week, you can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. I have done this. There is nothing like it. These creatures are gentle. They're enormous. It's so much fun to get in the water with them. Ask about their $30 Manatee Bronze Tour and be sure to ask about the free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. Requires a purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you're eligible for a free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay in Crystal River, where it's always 72 degrees. It's pure paradise. Ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, bicycle rentals, and so much more. Book online now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-571-1888. All right, so obviously the uh, the Bucks are on a lot of people's minds right now. Jameis Winston coming off uh, one of his best games as a pro in that victory over the 49ers. Can he do it again this Sunday against Carolina? People want to know about uh, Dirk Cutter, about uh, Adam Humphreys, and um, the college football season is wrapping up, of course. We've got conference championships this weekend. So without further ado, let's get started on the uh, mailbag questions. All right, we'll start with Isaiah, who says, this season is still on Dirk because he stuck with Fitzpatrick too long. He says Winston's benching was justifiable, but sticking with Fitz too long isn't. Fitz should have been pulled during that Redskins game. Story of the season isn't Winston's suspension. It's Dirk's infatuation with Fitzpatrick in those first few games. Well, it's a good statement. Um, I, I would say I can see why people would, would have that opinion. My opinion is that that everything sort of began um, when they really cut this thing up and, and put the autopsy on this season. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be about Jameis Winston. It's going to be about the suspension, the three-game suspension, and the Bucks' reaction to that. And what I mean by that is back in July when Dirk Cutter learned about the suspension, he went and looked at the schedule and saw that gauntlet of opponents – where they were going to start on the road against the New Orleans Saints, come home and play the world champion Philadelphia Eagles, and then a Monday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then he saw they had another game at Chicago, then a bye week. And in his mind, he said, you know what? Jameis has put us in this situation. I'm going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick ready. He's going to be our day one starter. He's going to take the, the first team reps throughout training camp and preseason. And Jameis is going to have to take a back seat and lead from behind and throw to guys like Freddie Martino and Justin Watson and all that and get him ready to come back when, 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 he, when he comes back. And so that's what they did. And so in a weird way, Jameis getting suspended gave sort of helped create Fitzmagic in Tampa Bay. And, and you know, you, you never let a guy do your job in professional sports unless you want him to take your job. And 
credit Ryan Fitzpatrick for going out there and just letting it rip and balling out. And, you know, he was player of the week the first two weeks. And then the third week he threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. He had a bunch of interceptions in the first half and brought him back. They lost that game. Um, and then it was sort of a, you know, Jameis hadn't been back a full week coming off, of, coming off uh, the suspension. So they started Fitzpatrick in Chicago. It was a meltdown. They put Jameis in, in the second half, and then they went to Jameis. And I think he lost something in uh, the momentum of a preseason. He threw to a bunch of dudes at a youth football uh, field, but that's not the same as being in camp. Um, played a pretty good game against Atlanta. You know, uh, not so good game maybe against Cleveland, but won in overtime and then had the meltdown at Cincinnati and he was out of there. So stick with Fitzpatrick. I mean, what was his options? I guess he could have started Jameis at Chicago. I don't think that would have turned out any better. Jameis looked rusty as he could be in that second half. Now I recognize they were down by five scores, but he didn't look sharp at all. Um, Where I think that you could make an argument about Fitzpatrick, and again, this was created because of Jameis giving him this opportunity to play. But where you could have made the argument was after the Washington game uh, when they got beat 16-3 to and Dirk took over the play calling, should that have been the point where he pulled the plug on Fitzpatrick and went back to Winston before they went to the New York Giants? Because, you know, at that point, Fitzpatrick had turned it over five times in two games. That's the same sort of pace Jameis was on with ten turnovers in, in uh, some almost four games or so. So, I mean, I think you could have you could have reasonably argued that, you know, you'd seen enough of Fitzpatrick. He's not going to be the guy going forward. Let's let's play Jameis. Um, he's, he's sat out two games. Let's see what he's got. And maybe he plays better. He ended up going into the New York game in the second half and led him to four touchdowns and four possessions. So, clearly, he was ready to play. Um, and we'll see. But, I, I, but, you know, again, I don't think how – I don't see how you can blame Dirk Cutter for not having – faith in Jameis Winston when Winston was the one that put him in this position in the first place and he's just trying to save his job but it's clear that he did not trust him after that Cincinnati game and that that's it's reasonable to see why Jeffrey asks I do believe Cutter and Jason are both gone but as for Winston do you really think if he wins say two or three of the next five games the Glazers would consider bringing him back for 2019 I do, and I don't know that he has to win two out of the next five. I mean, I, I don't know what that number is. I, I do think he has to play well. I think he has to play winning football. There's a lot of ways that you might not be able to win games. I mean, um, you know, for example, uh, you know, I can remember the 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 uh, what was it the Cincinnati game when Fitzpatrick came off the bench and took him down there, and they scored with one minute to go to tie the game. Should have gone to overtime, and the defense allowed. Cincinnati with one minute to drive in field goal range and they kicked the field goal. Was that on Ryan Fitzpatrick? No. Um, so, But Jameis has to play winning football. And what I mean by that is he can't be the reason they lose. He's touching the ball on every play. If he's going to will himself to uh, protect it like he did you know, last week um, against the 49ers, if he can do that again and he can do that five times, he'll probably win two or three of those games. But uh, even if he doesn't, uh, I, I think that he's positioned himself pretty well to come back, you know, in 2019. Look, it's not about the money or they wouldn't be running him out there every day. Um, he could get hurt on any given play, be unable to pass a physical in March, and they owe him $20.9 million for 2019. They are willing to take that chance, and they're willing to do it because I think they see Jameis as still a viable option uh, for their quarterback next season going forward, no matter who the coach is. And I think, you know, you, we'll get into this later, but you also got to look at who's really available 
to them uh, if they decided to move a di- different direction. It's not, you know, it's not a stellar, uh, there's not a lot of stellar options out there for 2019. So for all those reasons and the fact that many number one overall picks or number two overall picks like Marcus Mariota get as many as three coaches and a couple GMs to see if they can salvage them, um, you know, Jameis could be looking at his third head coach. Uh, but I, I think that they, they feel like that at the end of the day, the Glazers probably feel as if he's their best option. Now, he could play his way out of here. If he starts throwing the ball over the, all over the yard and being reckless with it and, and being the reason why they lose, maybe they have a different opinion at the end of the year. But for right now, I think um, he's, he's done enough probably to warrant them wanting him to come back. Well, Mike follows up saying, Jameis is the best quarterback in franchise history. A lot of people act like he's the worst. If the Bucks get rid of Winston, though, who would they replace him with? Well, and that's that's the other part of this. The, the, the last question is, you know, has he done enough to stay, but what what's your alternatives if he leaves? And the answer is they don't have any that are very good. I mean, Ryan Griffin, um, who, I, who may not even be under contract after this year. I believe he's a free agent after this season. Yeah, and he's never taken a snap. So as much as they love him, they haven't loved him well enough to even make him the number two consistently. So I wouldn't say you'd go, well, we're okay there. We got a guy that's never played, but, boy, we sure do like him. Um, so let's, let's toss him out. Okay. So, you know, you look at the draft, there's, there's maybe, you know, three quarterbacks, um, that could go in the draft at, at some point, uh, in the first round, I guess it's possible. Um, but none of them are considered, you know, surefire first round locks. I mean, guys that you would say are absolute franchise quarterbacks. You're talking about Oregon's uh, Justin Herbert, uh, Missouri's Drew Locke, you know, uh, Will Greer that was at Florida, that's at West Virginia now. I mean, all those guys could be somewhere in the first round. I don't know how high they're going to go. The Bucks right now would pick about 10th, I want to say, and that could go down if they win another game or two. And, and so then you look at free agency where you say, well, who's the number one free agent? If, if you cut Jameis Winston, it would be him, um, but you're not going to sign him back if you cut him. So, okay, so who else is there? Well, Teddy Bridgewater would probably be in a list pretty high, and he's a free agent after this year with the Saints. He has not started a game since 2015, and he's played in only four games at all uh, of any kind since then. So, you, you know, you're rolling the dice with a guy that's um, not played consistently since his knee injury that was pretty severe. And so, you know, again, there's not there's not this screaming list of, of free agents or and or – um, draft picks that you feel confident you're going to be able to move forward with. And, and until somebody just pops you in the head that you think is better, I think you're probably going to love the one you're with. I mean, I, I, I just don't see it um, for 2019. Now, beyond that, sure. And it doesn't mean that you couldn't draft a young quarterback in the first or second round and still keep Winston because on rookie contracts aren't very large to begin with. Salary cap goes up $10 million every year since 2013. Um, so even if you have to pay Winston, you know, $20 million, um, you could certainly still, you know, have a rookie contract in there somewhere for a quarterback if that's the way you decided to go. Um, but I, I don't see many good options. And, and for that reason, that, that's just another reason why I think Winston is back. All right. Les asks, why haven't the Bucks locked up Adam Humphreys yet? Losing him and Deshaun Jackson next year is not a good way heading into training camp. Would think Jason Light would want to have Humphreys secured before he could test the free agent waters. Well, he would, and he has wanted him secured, but they, you know, it always takes two to tango. I think people sometimes get 
caught up in, in the fact that, well, this guy's not resigned. He's going to hit free agency. Why don't one of the Bucks want him? Well, they do. The problem is when you can't agree on value. Um, in other words, you know, going into this season, you know, they managed to resign some guys, uh, including Cameron Brate and some others, but they weren't able to get a deal with Humphreys. From my understanding, um, they made what they thought was a pretty fair market value offer to Humphreys, who, while he was second in the team in receiving, you know, in 2017, um, he was not going to be their primary receiver. In fact, he was going to be probably maybe their third or, or more likely their fourth receiver going into this year because you had Chris Godwin coming back. Um, you know, obviously Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans. So he was going to be like your fourth, your fourth option at that point. Um, so I think for that reason, you know, the value the Bucks placed on him wasn't high enough for him to, to agree to a long-term deal. So he's rolled the dice. Uh, thankfully for him, he's not gotten hurt. I think he would do very well in the free agent market. I mean, we know what New England's able to do with some of these smallish slot receivers. And Adam's a very productive player. He's I think he set a franchise or a career record for touchdowns already this year with still five games to play. And, you know, again, we know the, the, the use that, that teams are making of some of these small slot receivers. And, you know, whether he gets eight, eight or $10 million, I don't know. And I'm not sure what he's seeking, but whatever it was, the Bucks didn't offer him enough. That doesn't mean that they can't sign him before the start of free agency, or they can also re-sign him if he goes out in the market. A lot of times players – when you can't agree on value, they hit the market, and you think, ah, oh, they're gone. That's too bad. Um, but this was a case, too, I think, with Doug Martin a couple of years ago where they're out there, they look around, you know, somebody makes them an offer, they come back to their former team and say, okay, here it is. I was right. Here's, here's the market that, that, I've, that I've developed. I've got Team X over here willing to pay me this. And then now the Bucks have to decide, okay, are we in it for a dime? We're in it for a dollar. Are we going to match sort of what – what he's worth out there. And, and not every player will do that. Not every player will give you a chance to match um, because they just don't feel that's fair to the other team that they would shop the offer. So um, it's a roll of the dice by not signing him at this point, and they very well could lose him, and they've got to prepare for that, whether it's in the draft or free agency. All right, our good friend Jim tweets us regularly, and I can't do the voice like you can, but I'll try. To bring back Dirk next year, courageous, I go back to consistency. That man knows offense. Sincerely, Lovey. Now, it's not, what's, not bad. Not bad? Okay, well, you do it better. But what's the case to bring back Dirk next year? <clears throat> the case to bring back Dirk Cutter this week on Inside Football. Okay, well, the case begins on a small farm in Pocatello, Idaho. No, the, pace, the case begins with the fact that Dirk Cutter – has brought to Tampa Bay and to the Buccaneers something that they have never had, okay? And I mean never. And that is a formidable upper echelon, currently total yards, number one in the pack offense uh, in Tampa Bay. I mean, these guys can move the football, okay? They can run it, not as well, but they certainly could throw it. They got lots of targets. Um, doesn't seem to matter who the quarterback is. He can dial up some plays. He can call some ball plays like Spur used to do um, and throw it around the yard a little bit, and that's, that's what he can do, and it's been successful. So, so there's that. I think the other thing his argument would be, well, look, I didn't suspend Jameis Winston. In fact, I didn't even draft the guy, okay? 
this was a decision made by Lovey. Rick, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Rick, I wasn't there. I can remember this conversation I had with him back in February of that draft at the Combine. And he was pretty dismissive of anything that had happened at Florida State with Jameis Winston. He was taking Jameis Winston. He had made that decision before he had his first interview with the guy. They had done their research, interviewed 70 people, 70 people, right? And this was Lovey's call. Dirk Cutter was in Atlanta. He was calling plays for Matt Ryan. So Lovey was like, Rick, BB guns. Oh, come on now. Me and my, you know how many times me and my brother played with BB? Till one of us realized we're going to lose an eye. Okay, that's when we stopped shooting BB guns. So that being the case, Dirk comes to Tampa, and he's very successful in getting this quarterback going. So successful that when the Bucks decide to fire Lovey Smith, they want continuity and they make Dirk Cutter head coach. Well, what has Dirk done? Can, you know, does he get the blame for Jameis not developing? Okay, he should shoulder shoulder some of that. Absolutely. However, again, it was the off field situation that they overlooked as an organization or didn't feel it would raise its head again that did and then put the entire football team and turning including Dirk Cutter into a bad situation. What has been proven, I think, is that when their quarterbacks, whoever they are, Fitzpatrick or Winston, don't turn the ball over, this is a football team that can win games. They didn't turn it over against New Orleans, and they won 48-40. Defense wasn't any good. Gave up 40 points. Still won the game. You know, the other day, they didn't turn it over, and the offense was pretty good. Defense was much better. Only gave up nine, and they won the game. You know, played the Washington Redskins. Defense only gave up 16 but they turned the ball over, and they lost the game. So if you're Dirk, you're like, look, I mean, our quarterback, we've had a choppy season, disruptive because of the suspension. You know, I'm doing everything I said I would do. We, we started to rebuild the defensive line. It came, it's coming on a little bit. We saw that, uh, you know, with Jason Pierre-Paul seems like a good pick. And, you know, Vita Vea uh, was injured for a long time, but he started getting going. Look, we, we've got some guys here. And we need, if we add to that, and especially on the deep, we're going to need a new coordinator. I'm going to have to go hire a coordinator, somebody that's really good on defense, that's proven on entity. Um, but I think I think we can get this going with the full season with Jameis Winston in the offseason, uh, training camp and preseason. He's our guy. Let's go. That's his only argument. It's not going to be one loss record. I can tell you that. I mean, if he, like I said many times, if he thought the Glazers he called them courageous when they brought him back at 5-11, and 11, how much courage will they need next year? And, oh, by the way, and we haven't talked about this, Steve, the attendance that they had against the San Francisco 49ers, and I recognize not many 49er fans are going to migrate from California. Some may live here, and there were a few in the lower bowl. But that was the lowest crowd, lowest announced crowd, I think, in five years, lowest actual attendance, which was like just over a tick, over 40,000 in stadium in like eight seasons, Okay. That's the thing that Dirk Cutter faces is if I'm the Glazers, how do I sell this? How do I convince my customers who aren't showing up at the games anymore that we're reloading this, we're not changing coaches, we're okay there? Because all I can sell as a franchise and all the, all the NFL teams that don't make the playoffs can sell is what? Hope. Every year we're selling hope. How much hope are you selling if Dirk Cutter is your head coach again? 
if they win five, six games. You either you either games. have to sell hope or you absolutely hands down believe he's the guy. And, and I, you have to be right. And look at look yeah, at you have to have a strong conviction. Yeah, mm-hmm. look at college. USC didn't fire Clay Helton. No, they did L- not. Lynn Swan is saying he Clay Helton is the right guy to get this program where it is. And that's right. Quite frankly, Lynn Swan's going to be judged whether that decision is true or not in a year, two, or three from now. That's right. You can't fire the owners, though. No, you can't. So if the owners do it, they're going to suffer where in the pocketbook because no one's coming to the games. They're going to they're going to lower their own franchise value, which they don't want to do. Look, they, you know, Dirk Cutter getting a third year was an upset. Okay, this is a this is a group. Since since Malcolm stopped picking coaches, this is a group that averaged one every two years. Okay, since they got rid of John Gruden after the '08 season, so uh, they don't buy green bananas. You know, you know they they're they're ready to move now. And I, I just, you know, he has an argument. He definitely has an argument. And the argument is, I did my job, and I tried to do it with the quarterback that you drafted that I didn't draft. But when the guy turned the damn ball over. Nobody can win. You know, we're a minus 20 whatever, 20, minus 21. So that's that's what he's got to say is, okay, I think one more year without Jameis having to go away and, you know, he's going into his fourth full year, his fifth year overall, we can see now with his maturity and, and also that Jameis is a different person. I mean, that, you know, for whatever happened with the Uber driver and, and not dismissing that or, or minimalizing that at all, and he just reached his second settlement with someone who's accused him of sexual assault. Um, but whatever happened, happened the January or February, or I think it was March, after his rookie season. Well, he's married now. He has a child now. And that, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes just because of those. Those, those aren't disqualifiers. But the point is, is that everything that he has done since would appear as if maybe he has grown up some and he's not 20 years old. He's now going to be 25 years old so you know are you getting a different guy altogether um you know these these are all the reasons why why Winston might might come back but if if you want Dirk to coach him um might he then be more more acceptable with coaching and understand a little bit more so I mean Dirk has to marry himself to Jameis because I think Jameis is absolutely one coming back and that's a problem because Dirk moved away from Jameis right Dirk was the one that decided that Ryan Fitzpatrick was the better option when they were both healthy. And and that had to sting Jameis immensely. So I you know, it's gonna be a tough sell. Um, but he has to hitch his wagon to Jameis Winston and he has to convince them that it was Jameis Winston that got them in this hole in the first place. All right. So what's the case for Jason Light to come back? Wow. I used all that energy on one guy. Now I, <laughs> now I, now I got to have to. Well, gym, that's why these mailbags. I mean, these are good oh, questions. Man. These are great questions. The case for Jason Light on this week on Inside the NFL. Um, the case for Jason Light. Are they a better team now than they were when he got here? And look, you have to admit off the bat that no one bats a thousand in the draft or free agency. No, no one. No, no one. The first round picks are probably about a fifty percent bust rate, and don't believe me, go up there and do the math. That's just the way it is. And some drafts are worse than others. Uh, he doesn't have much to show for two thousand seventeen, unless you include all his defensive backs that are playing every day, guys like Carlton Davis and Jordan Whitehead, and you know MJ Stewart and them. 
Um, but obviously Ronald Jones hasn't been on the field. Vita Vey is just now coming on. So in, in the short lens, it doesn't look very good. And there's other drafts that weren't good either. But if you're, if you're Jason Light, you say, I can only pick the players. And I have surrounded this franchise quarterback that we have agreed as an ownership and as a franchise we're going to build. I have surrounded him with a decent, if not solid, offensive line for the most part. I have given him, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cam Brait, Adam Humphreys. Um, you, we could run the ball a little bit better, but, you know, like I said, we're, we're still capable of doing that. And, and I've rebuilt this defensive line, which all of a sudden looks like it's gelling and is going to end up with around 40, 45 sacks, which is probably going to be the most sacks they've had in 10 years. Okay? So the moves that he's made – now, you know, the injuries to Chris Conte, the injury to Vernon Hargraves, those, those took a bite out of the defense. There's no question about it. And I don't know how much credit or blame he gets for signing Mike Smith to a very, very lucrative contract because they wound up firing the defensive coordinator. Last time I checked, the head coach picks his staff. It, it's up to Jason Light to get him under contract, but I think it was Dirk Cutter that wanted wanted his guy in Mike Smith to come back as D coordinator. So, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If I'm Jason, I'm like, look, I've left you a really good football team. Now the quarterback... You know, he got suspended too, and I'm using the same suspension argument that Dirk Cutter used, and that is, you know, that's our guy, and he wasn't here for three weeks, and then, you know, we benched him, so it's been a choppy season, and we didn't see the full Jameis Winston. Give me another draft, and I'll help build the rest of that defense, you know, and Jameis will come back, and and here we go. Uh, It's continuity of personnel. You like your scouting department? Well, Jason Light built that with John Spitek and guys like that. There's a lot of good to point to. And the one thing that he's got going against them clearly is that he's got no playoff appearances in five years. And it looks for all the world that the Bucks are going to finish not first, not second, not third, but last in the NFC South for the fourth time in five years. That's not good, uh, to say the least. So... You know, there's certainly the check marks are obvious, but if I'm Jason, I'm clinging to the fact that, hey, you need me on that wall because you don't know anybody. And if you make a coaching change, here's the other argument. If you make a coaching change, who are you going to? Who's going to who's going to line up your interviews? Who's going to tell you who you should talk to, who you should who you should hire, who, you know, in football is going to do that. So, you know, there's there's a lot of usefulness of Jason Light. I, I don't know if any or all of that will be resonate with the Glazers, but that's the argument he has to make. All right, well, Simon asks, and we'll talk about the other part of this, do you think the Glazers' ownership of Manchester United is impacting the Bucks? says, I'm from England and support both. It seems with both sides struggling, they seem to be the common denominator. Maybe the resources spread too thin? 
Well, I don't know as much about Man U, but I will say this. As soon as they bought Manchester United, I went over there a couple times. They played in London, and it was so interesting because every time they would show up there, there'd be, you know, the tabloids, the front page headlines were all about how Yankee owners uh, take money from Man U to put in Bucks coffers, you know, basically like we're, we're, we're taking that's – why, that's why Man U stinks is because all the money – uh, you know, was taken out of here and given to the Buccaneers. And then the same stories, you know, same headlines you read in Tampa about how uh, the Glazers are distracted and that's why they don't care about the Bucks anymore and, you know, they're pouring all their money and effort into Man U. So both fan bases look at the other and say, you're to blame. <laughs> and the common denominator, it's true, it's so weird. Like the headlines are the same. And the common denominator is the ownership. Um, it absolutely is the ownership. So... I don't again. I don't know what, in particular, uh, Joel Glazer knows about running Man U because he's pr- the primary point guy of that family over there. I don't know that he knows what he's doing, I, and I can't evaluate it because I don't know anything about football or soccer, football as they call it over there, or soccer. So I don't know. I know they've had some lean years. I know they've had some good years, but overall, can't evaluate it. As far as the Bucks go, I would say. You know, the record is what it is. I mean, since, since you know, their father, uh, God bless his soul, you know, had a stroke and, and the boys took over and then uh, eventually um, Mr. Glazer passed on, they have not had any success. I mean, very, very minimal success if that. They have, um, you know, no playoff appearances in 11 years. Um, just a couple winning seasons during that time, a bunch of head coaches that they haven't gotten right. So... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fervent believer that good ownership, good organizations begin with the ownership, and it's from the head down. And, you know, whether – and I'm not saying they're a bad family or that they're bad business people because, look, they, they took a $193 million risk, and it was a risk at that time to buy the Buccaneers, and that sucker's worth about $2 billion with a B dollars, okay? That's successful, my friends, on any level you can, you can cut it up. And the same is true with Man U. You know, whatever they paid for Man U, and they did it in such a circumvent way that people didn't realize they were buying out other partners until one day they were the majority shareholders. And it, it shocked everybody, but that's, that's probably the most valuable sports franchise or one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world. So I don't have the business acumen, and I'm not, I'm not one to sit here and tell you they don't know what they're doing. But when it comes to results, when it comes to on the field, Clearly, with respect to the Buccaneers, it has not been successful. So, you know, they are the constant. They'll own it. They know it. Um, I will say this, and I don't know, again, not to comment on Man U because I don't know what they've done to try to win over there, but there was a time when I thought, you know, these guys aren't giving it a chance. Like, you know, you're firing coaches every two years. You don't know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. You can turn that around and say – they're not going to bang their heads against the wall. You can turn it around and say they do care about winning, and that's why they, they're going to keep trying uh, to find the right guy. And, and if it's every two years, it's every two years. These results are not acceptable. They want to win. Uh, they've paid a lot of coaches not to coach. I mean, that's undeniable. They've, they've written checks for as many as three guys at once that weren't coaching their football team. Um, head coaches, I'm talking about. So I think that you know, they've proven they want to win. Doesn't mean they know how to win, but but I certainly think the desire is there. All right, we'll switch to college football now. And rooting for UF 
says, I think most agreed with Rick Stroud that in 2018, Florida was the worst off in the short term among the big three Florida schools. Reassessing these programs now, how impressive was 2018 for Dan Mullen? I don't think I said Florida was worse off. Can we get the tape for that? I really thought I said that in the short term, Dan Mullen was going to have the better year. Or maybe I, I, I think we all agreed Miami was going to have the best season of the big three this year. Oh, okay, that could be. I mean, they were. I mean, be. that they've been extremely disappointing under Mark Rick. There. I did say. I did say that in the long term, I thought Mullen was going to kill it. Yeah, uh, I think. He's I think the, the right short guy. term, we thought Florida would struggle the most. Maybe Perhaps. maybe Florida State. Miami was predicted to be the most. You know, the best team of the three. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know what I was quoted as saying or whether that's accurate. I will say that I do believe Dan Mullen is the right guy for that job. I think he did a terrific job. Um, was he win nine games? I mean, they did have their hiccups. You know, when they lost to Missouri, I was worried about them. I'll be honest with you. But Missouri, again, has, you know, a, a top-flight NFL prospect at quarterback. Uh, they did hit a little bump in the road there, though. That was not a, a good streak for them. But having said that, he understands what Gator football means. He understands um, the style of play that Gator fan wants to see. You know, and I think for the most part, you know, look, at one point he was playing, what, he was playing Georgia in the Gator Bowl, and if they'd have won that game, they probably had a really good look at, at playing in the SEC championship. So, you know, I, I think it's I, – I think the sky's the limit for Dan Mullen. He still has to get his quarterback. I don't think Felipe Franks is the answer, but it wasn't his guy, but he made it work, and Franks I thought got better. Um, maybe defiantly so, but he, he did he did hang with him. And there were some injuries. I think he was close to pulling him for Kyle Trask, but then Trask got hurt. However that worked out, um, Mullen looks like the right guy to me. And, you know, I, I think he, he wants to win every game, and I think his passion comes through. And, yeah, I mean, I, I like their future, don't you, Steve? I mean, I think he's the right guy. Oh, I well, I thought it was a good hire from the, the beginning. I mean, you know, he's a yeah. Florida guy. He's got yeah. experience in the SEC and had success at Mississippi State, where mm-hmm. not too many coaches have great success. Um, right. You know, I thought all along it was a good high. I didn't think in any stretch of the imagination they'd be nine and three this season. No. I mean, I think no, I, I think we thought you know, hey, six and six, seven and five, be a good season. He doesn't have his quarterback yet. He's you know, it's going to take time. And what he's done with this team, and it helps that I mean, you know, they were loaded on defense, and their defense is very good. Um, mm-hmm. But. You know, I I absolutely think he's the right hire. Willie Taggart was the one we weren't sure if it's the right hire, as far as the schools go. But you know, we no, didn't we right. didn't know that they could turn around Florida, uh, particularly offensively, as quickly as he did without having <clears throat> his quarterback in there. Right, and when he got his quarterback in Mississippi State, I believe it was Dak Prescott, was it not? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that the guy? Yeah, oh yeah, he had yeah. Dak. Yep. Yeah, Dak's doing okay, right? Uh, he's doing fine. <laughs> so, I mean, there are people that aren't big Dak believers. I get that at Dallas, but I think he's starting to come on. I don't think he's um, Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Tom Brady, but is he a good NFL quarterback? Yes. Yeah, he may not even be Deshaun Watson, who's the other guy that I think is playing really, really well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, when, when, if, when he, if he gets his own guy, look, it's all about the quarterback anyway, but if he gets his own guy and he builds, you know, give him a couple of recruiting years, I think Florida is going to be a force. I, I'm proud of him. I they think they did a nice job, and – you know, I think for the most part, Gator fans pretty happy where they're at with nine wins, and they'll get a, they got a shot at a New Year's New Year's Eve New Year's Day bowl, I guess New Year's Day. Yeah, the New Year's Six that, bowls, as they call it, and they're played yeah. on different days, but yeah, but yeah, the six other bowls, yeah, they should, uh, they'll probably make that. That's what I think. So that's that's a good year. That's a great year for Florida. Mm-hmm. 
All right, before we, we uh, get out of here, I want I got a mailbag question of my own that I'm going to ask you since you're hanging out with the Tampa Bay Lightning as much as you do right now. Louis Domingue has made a pretty good showing in the short term here uh, since the injury to Andre Vasilevsky, who could be still another many, many weeks away from, from returning, and then who knows uh, before that, before he's in, in regular form. But based on what you've seen so far, is there any inclination that the Lightning should or would make a deal for a goaltender uh, before Vasilevsky comes back? On the surface, I'd say no, unless somebody, you know, unless there's someone out there that's available when you're, you know, talking to all the teams that, you know, maybe we're not thinking is available that you can get for a price that you're willing to pay. I mean, you know, what, what kind of prospects are you willing to give up for a goalie, for a backup goalie that you may only need for four weeks? Right. Although you may need more. You never, I mean, that's why you have a backup goalie. I mean, last season, Peter Budai wasn't playing very well. That's why they made the trade for Louis Domingue, if you remember. So they had three goalies for a while last year until they, sure. you know. So based on the way they're playing and the way the team's playing in front of him and the way he's fit in, I don't see that happening. But, you know, if there's, if there's a player out there that you can't say no to and, and they're not asking for, you know, obviously you're not going to give up Eric Chernak or, you know, someone like that for a backup goalie, you know, more likely it's going to be draft picks or something like that. I won't say no, but you know, at this point I don't see the, I don't think there's an urgent need for them to make that trade. Definitely mm-hmm. not to hurt this current team or, you know, some of their, the key prospects that may be up in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if there's a goalie out there that's going to make your team better, do you make that deal? Look, I believe the lightning are all in this year. I mean, this well, is this, be, this is a year right? that you know. I think at, at the trade deadline they may be active, even though you're sitting there going, "Wow, you know, we're talking about, you know, Andre Palat's coming back, and who do you take out of the lineup?" Yeah, but I think you know if there's somebody out there at the trade deadline they can get. I think they're all in this year. I mean, this there is no reason they shouldn't win the cup this year. I mean, obviously you play the tournament and and, and <laughs> crazy so- things happen. But what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. is is this is the most loaded lightning. I mean, they've made the Eastern Conference Finals three of the last four years. This team is more talented than any of those four teams. Well, now you say that, okay, and, and here's what I would say. Um, and, and tell me tell me what's different because – and look, I, I know Ovechkin was just a man possessed and, and, and literally, I think, at times put Washington on his back and whatnot. But – that said, it seemed to me when they got to the finals, especially the last two games, they didn't score a goal. And I know they could have, mm-hmm. you know, they had lots of opportunities in game seven. I was there. However, it seemed to me they were not as physical as they needed to be. It seemed like they got pushed around a little bit. Um, and, and that maybe defensively they could have used a, a little more size or maybe not even defensively, but maybe a guy. And I know Ryan Callahan does some of this, but. Somebody that can plant himself in front of the goal and be tough to move. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- have they done anything to address that? Do you think this, they're better to – if they have to play the – let's say and – and no year is the same. Mm-hmm. But let's say this hockey team that they have now, the 2018 mm-hmm. Lightning, have to play last year's Stanley Cup champions. Mm-hmm. How do they fare better this year than they would have last year? Well, I, I think – Look, I, I think there's a few things that you can you can look at this team and why I'm saying they're more talented than last year's team. Andre Vasilevsky now is in his second full season as goalie. You know, and with, when he comes back, well, yeah. when he comes back, experience. I mean, I'm assuming he'll he's back and ready for the playoffs. Sure, I mean, sure. If he's injured in the playoffs, it's yeah. a whole different story. Right, right. So Andre Vasilevsky, you've got Adam Ernie in place of Corey Conacher, let's say in the lineup. 
Okay. I think, you know, Adam Ernie adds you a lot more size, grit. He goes in front of the net. Uh, you know, he's not Tom Wilson, but, you know, for Washington. But people forget with the Washington series, too. The Lightning were up three games to two. And I know people say they got out physical. And, and yes, Washington is a little bigger team, plays a little heavier. But the Lightning were up three games to two. It's not like they got blown out in the series. You want to sit there and say that they weren't physical enough. Through five games, they had a lead. They could, they, mm-hmm. they you know, Washington, you know. But a couple of those very, games in Washington, you have to admit, they probably, I mean, I know they won I'm not them, saying they outplayed you know, them for, for three of the five games. But I'm saying they right. did have a, they did have a five, you know, a lead after five games. It, they it's, did. It's not like, you know, the New Jersey Lightning Series last year where the Lightning, you know, won in five games and dominated it, all five right. games. Right, they didn't get run out of the gym, you're right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you start looking at, uh, this team's faster especially when you add Matthew Joseph on it. And, you know, now they have four lines that can actually score on this team. Yeah. They can yeah. run four, roll four lines. I mean, even their fourth line gets some decent scoring. I think, you know, Adam Ernie, I think there's a lot of young players that are, you know, I think Yanni Gord's now in his second full season. Braden Point, you know, what, what else can you say about Braden Point and how good he is? He's just getting better and better, too. Uh, you know, I mean, he's fantastic. I don't think he will be, but he should be in the MVP talk. For this season. Why, and, and why if, won't if he, he keeps, be? Well, I, I don't think he's well enough known around the league yet to where people are talking about it. Well, now, uh, yeah, by, by the end of the season, it could be different. Back, I mean, yeah. he's he's top three or four in goals right now in the well, league. Guys in hockey know who he is, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, definitely the players in, in that. I mean, but, you know, he gets overshadowed. Look, when you talk about the Lightning, the first be- thing people talk about oh, is Stamkos. Kucherov, Kucherov. Stamkos. And, and Hedman. Goaltender, yeah. Yeah. Hedman. And Vasilevsky. So, I mean, Point's the fifth player you're talking about. No, media not necessarily. But but some of that is, is the, the message is driven by the media sometimes for those teams you don't see very often. You know, here in Tampa, we know. <laughs> just, just got a Mike, Clat, a Mike Clayton flash. The media drives the narrative. <laughs> just, it just struck me for some reason. Yeah, well. Well, okay. Am I no, supposed I to scream? <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> Look, I, I, yeah, so he's not as well known, but okay, yeah. yeah and I, and look, he's great. He's absolutely great. They're a great team, and they score really fast lately. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just asking, and I, yeah, you know, well, look, in a in a hockey playoffs, and, and look, by that time of year, everyone's got nagging injuries, and everyone's and you never up, know what the yeah. injury's going to look like. But this right. team is deeper, faster, I believe, stronger, especially if Chernak's playing in the back end. They're stronger and bigger on defense mm-hmm. too. Um, and we'll see how that because, all plays out once Anton Strawman comes back and how, how they do their defense. But Because you know what happens in the playoffs. No one lets you skate. Mm-hmm. No one's going to let you skate up and down the ice. So can they, play that, can they play that gritty, relentless, control the puck in your side of the ice, chip it in and deep and go mm-hmm. type game? Because that's how you have to win in the playoffs. You know, every year in the playoffs, they, that, they, that's been the narrative for several years with the Lightning in the playoffs, and they always seem to win those games. I mean, they, <laughs> they get, get to the Eastern Conference finals. finals three of the last four years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's proof of that. You're I, right. I, I mean, you know, I, I, look, do they want to play that way every night for 82 games of a season? No. Yeah. And you still have to catch them even in the, in the, in the, the playoffs. You know, when, sure. when you're that fast, some of these teams can't catch them. I mean, oh, you'd like true. to hit them and, and lean on them, but if you can't catch them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So. Well, that's all. Everything you say makes sense, and I, and I think, I think in some ways this team seems to me to be like last year was sort of like the revenge tour, right? It was like, mm-hmm. hey, we missed the playoffs. We're not taking anything for granted. We're going to get off to a fast start, and we're just going to roll over people because we want to make sure we have separation, and that's that's our mm-hmm. goal. 
this year it's sort of like, no, we know we're good. <laughs> you know, it's like it's kind of like, uh, yeah. You look. I mean, literally, I don't see every game, but when I don't, and and I go online, I'm like, oh yeah, they won. Look, you know, it's it's surprising when they don't win. I mean, to the point where you're like, wow, that happened. Well, even when they're down you know? two goals in the first, you're like, yeah, it doesn't okay. matter. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they don't always come back, but but there no. there is a. Look, this team is very confident in themselves. They know they're good. They know they're good, and they prove it every single night. Absolutely. And, and you know, the other yeah. thing is, look, look how well they're playing now. They're not playing at playoff level at this point. No. I mean, they're, they're, no. their motor's not running at that level yet. They know what Nor that is. Nor do you want it to. No, yeah, no, absolutely not. To, you're, you're, you don't want to crank it up now. You're in November. No, absolutely not. They're just, yeah. as you know, John Cooper likes to say, munch points now so that you can qualify for the playoffs early and – you know, gear, gear up. Later. You know, gear up. Come, you know, March to to head into the playoffs, but not have to be chasing it like right, they, you know, right. were two years ago, and then missed by a point. You expend too much energy, and even if you get in there, you're done. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think they're going to go with Deming because, well, they're winning. You know, and look, they didn't do him any favors. Like early when he started playing, I mean, they were giving up 40 shots a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you want to help your new goaltender out? Here you go. Stop 40 out of 42. You know. That's hard to do. But the good um, thing is, is they're giving them, you know, four or five goals a night. So they are. They are. And and to me, I you know, you'd love to see you'd love to see that goals against average, you know, somewhere under three or under whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because to me, especially with Vasilevsky out, it's just about it's just about the W's. What's well, it his is. record? And, and, his, and Domingue, his record's pretty you know, darn good. Yeah, Domingue's goals against average is gonna look a little skewed. Now he's getting more games, so it helps, but you know, he yeah. played that last game of that five game road trip in Arizona when he gave up seven goals. And yeah. you know, quite frankly, the team in front of him did an awful job that game. And, you know, that's one of those look, you have clunker games in the NHL over an eighty two game season based on travel, right. based on everything else that happens. That was one of those and, and Domingue had to eat it. So early on he had a seven spot on his on his goals against average, on his you know second or third game of the season, whatever it was, right. you know, so his goals against average is getting better. Um, and look, is he as good as Andre Vasilevsky? Absolutely not. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky may be the best goalie in the world. Yeah, I think he is. You know, pound for pound, age for age, and and hopefully they get him back. And when they do, think how good they're going to be. This is the other thing they've learned to play a little bit without him. Mm-hmm. You know, not always a bad thing when other guys have to step up a little bit. And he's getting some rest. And he's you know, by the, by the time you get to the end of the season, assuming he makes a full recovery, he's not going to play 65 games now because missing, you know, six weeks or whatever it's going to end up being. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to play less games this season going into the playoffs. Right. So and it can be a silver lining, especially if you have a backup who's performing, you know, well enough to get you wins like Louis Dominguez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, all that makes sense. It's a good answer to my question, and that's our mailbag <laughs> for the day. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we're here each and every day, Monday through Friday. We're probably, well, we are going to have Matt Baker, I think, tomorrow. Talk a little college football. we got conference championships coming up. It won't be your Michigan Wolverines going against Northwestern, but Ohio State will be. Yes, it'll be well, Ohio State. We talked about this yesterday. Ohio State and Oklahoma kind of playing, you know, not competition that's not going to make the playoffs. That's where Alabama's the only Alabama and Georgia are the only teams in the conference championships playing teams that are going to have a shot at the playoffs. It's going to be interesting what the committee does. And a lot of it, I think, still depends on, you know, if Georgia upsets Alabama, then, it's, then it can become craziness. Oh, yeah. No, it's bedlam at that point. I don't see that happening, but that certainly would, that certainly would hurt those two teams because I think 
no matter what Alabama does, unless they just were to get torched, and I don't see that happening, they're going to end up in the top four, even if they lost to Georgia. Or what, happen, what happens if Alabama crushes Georgia and Ohio State and, and Oklahoma both lose? Gee. Then who's your fourth team? Central Florida, baby. <laughs> Without McKenzie Melton? <laughs> no. I mean, they still got to beat Memphis chance. at that point. Yeah, you still have to. Yeah, exactly. You still have to. Uh, yeah, I. And by the way, news came out from that on Tuesday that uh, McKenzie Milton's uh, the nerve is damaged but intact in his knee, and he's going to need a complete reconstructive surgery on it. But that yeah. is some some good news that it's that the nerve's still intact. And yeah, it's a very small ray of light, but it is good. And look, the kid. I mean, the first thing was you want to make sure he saved his leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but I'm here to tell you now, folks. When they do the thirty for thirty on him and his rehab, it's going to be gruesome because this is not this isn't your normal, you know, ACL MCL tear or you know two of the ligaments are damaged or you know no this is a complete reconstruction like every ligament the bone separated from the upper leg to the lower leg kneecap patella all of it gone. Um, this is multiple surgeries, very long rehab. Hope you see him on the football field again in some form, uh, although mobility was part of his game. Who knows? I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I would I, – I would, the mental hurdle that this kid is facing in terms of getting back out there and cutting and getting hit and doing things like that, I can't imagine. can't imagine. I, I don't know how guys do it with a torn meniscus. I had that surgery, and I was like, there's no way. But, um, you know, you, you wish him well because it was a – it was a terrible, terrible thing to have, you know, be on this run of, of uh, you know, this, this winning streak, and he was such the biggest part of that. You see where UCF, by the way, is going to have 40,000 lays handed out uh, before their game in honor of Mackenzie Milton, who is from Hawaii. I thought that was a pretty That's cool, awesome. cool That's gesture. Awesome. Yeah, pretty cool gesture by them. So. Mackenzie Milton's in their thoughts, and uh, and that's good. He's going to be all right. He's a strong guy, so we wish him well. So, anyway, um, thanks for listening. As always, we really appreciate you guys uh, joining us, and uh, you can always reach us, whether it's Mailbag Day or not. You can do that on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. And remember, go see uh, my friend at uh, in Crystal River there at uh, Captain Mike Swimming with the Manatees. I have done this. I'm telling you, it's a great family event. The weather is nice right now, even though uh, hopefully get a little cool weather. But in Kings Bay, in Crystal River, it's always 72 degrees. And uh, make sure you go up there and go to uh, book online. It's uh, swimmingwithmantees.com or call 352-571-1888. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.